0: This is the Get Healthy 360 podcast, where we discuss topics related to your physical, mental, financial, and spiritual health. Your host is Dr. Chris Ferguson board-certified in anesthesiology and pain management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should consult your primary health care provider before making any decisions related to your health. And here's your host, Dr. Chris Ferguson. Oh, one more thing before we start. If you like this episode, please consider rating us five stars. We
1: would really appreciate it. Thanks very much.
0: Welcome to Get Healthy 360. Today we have with us Mayor Katie, the mayor of Wausau, Wisconsin. What we're talking today about is we'll be covering subjects like how do you become a mayor of a town? What does a mayor do? How long is someone a mayor? And then the responsibilities of a mayor. And if someone is a mayor, how did they deal with a lot of the political topics that are floating around the world today, like Black Lives Matter, people if they have gender-related issues, police-related issues, COVID-related issues. And then what we'll also talk about is how Mayor Katie keeps healthy, some activities she was interested in, and lastly, how she manages being mayor, managing the whole city, and manages to keep her household together. So Mayor Katie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. So
0: what... What is a mayor of a city and what does a mayor do?
1: So there are a couple different components to being mayor. So first of all, um, you're the political leader of the city. So, you know, I get... I have the opportunity and privilege of setting the vision of what I think WASA should be. You know, I get to set up the budget first crack at it, um, and the council has to react to that. I get to, you know, make proclamations about what I think is important. Um, And, you know, I I also sign off on all the city council agendas. So, um, you know, it it has to be important to get on there. So there's that kind of political leadership. And then there's this kind of administrative um, leadership too. So I don't just walk in and I'm by myself. Um, I have a whole team and now I'm the boss after kind of, you know, I was in my past life reporting to vice presidents. So now I'm in that spot. So making sure that those teams have what they need, the resources, making sure they're getting good direction, making sure that we're um, following through on those policies that the city council is passing. So there's that. And then, you know, there's kind of this ceremonial aspect to being mayor. A lot of people want you to show up at their events and maybe talk about um, why their organization is important. I threw out the first pitch at a Woodchucks game. You know, I'll be going to a couple of different things. Um, I assume once COVID is over, it's really going to start coming in. Um, but there, So there's those kind of three components here. And, and then obviously, like, I'm, I think it's important to continuously communicate with people. So um, working on how to shore up our WOSA communications with people. So obviously, you found me through Twitter. Um, so social media, working on the newsletter, I'm working on updating our website. Um, things like that uh, are really important to me.
0: So what I've found is some, sometimes, not all, but sometimes when you have elected officials that are older they or out of touch they t- with, um, say, new technologies, they, they tend to lose touch with their constituents and people that matter. And I was super impressed that you're on social media. You're very engaged with the community. Um, it seems like you're very in touch with what the community wants because you're on social media and you're getting that direct feedback. You're not just getting told second or third hand. Um, what people want so it seems like you're you're super engaged very very approachable clearly I reached out to you and you're doing this podcast but that that takes a lot of time and effort and it's a whole new skill set because I don't think there's correct me if I'm wrong there's no mayor school Um, (laughs) how how, (laughs) how did you decide to become mayor
1: yeah. So I started, um, this probably started even when I was a kid. Uh, my dad uh, decided in the late 90s that he was interested in um, leadership when it comes to the city. So he ran for city council and he won, which was pretty cool for him. And so I kept, I grew up with him being involved in this. I grew up on knowing the mayors that we had. Uh, he was elected at the same time as the WOSA's first woman mayor, Linda Lawrence. And she created the Mayor's Youth Action Council. So of course, like my application was the first one that got in there. I was super excited about that. And so kind of just growing up around that environment and being politically active was important. Um, My grandparents always talked about politics at the dinner table. It was, it was the only thing we talked about. So, you know, just being informed and having an opinion on current events was important in my family. Um, so then in 2015, um, I had been married. I bought a house in District 1 um, with my husband, and my county board supervisor, who just happened to be my dad, um, <laughs> moved away. He moved to Lacrosse, so he resigned his seat. And I thought, you know, hey, the seat is open. They're appointing somebody to fill the remainder of the term, which is maybe eight months or so. Like, this might be my in. I'm kind of interested in this. So I applied and, I, you know, I went through the interview process and, you know, I was nervous and all of that and um, they did not appoint me. <laughs> so, you know, I was kind of sad, but then I had this chip on my shoulder and I was like, why, why don't I just run? I mean, I should just do this. So I did um, and I won in 2016. So I served two terms on the county board and I loved it. Um, my husband was like, when are you going to do something where this is your job full time? I'd been working in marketing at Foot Locker. And he's like, you're spending a lot, a lot, a lot of time on county board. And I know that nobody else is doing this. There are 38 members here. So, you know, I kind of soul searched, you know, like, do I want to do this full time? It's kind of my hobby, which is fun. Um, so, you know, I started attending more city council meetings to see, you know, is this actually something I want? I talked to some mayors throughout the, the state and different parts um, of the Midwest and I decided that, you know, I do want this. So, but if I do this, I'm, I'm all in, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to announce a year early. I'm going to campaign the whole time. I'm going to do all of this. So, you know, I had to formulate like, why do I actually want to do this? And, you know, when you look up the job description of a mayor, it, it's, it includes all kinds of things. So I decided, you know, I'm going to define what the position is and I'm going to show people, tell people how I would be good at this. So that's what I did. And it all kind of revolved around that communications portion, getting the community more involved. Um, I think it's really important that, you know, I'm not just appointing my friends to committees. Um, so I created a process for people to apply to be part of these things. Um, and so then it, it happened to work. Uh, people, people believed in what I was selling. Um, and uh, I actually had a compliment from a former mayor saying that this was the best campaign for mayor run since he ran. <laughs> So, um, you know, it's it's different though. Once you're elected, it's not politics all the time anymore. So, I mean, I think that's the one thing to get your head around is that I'm now leading everybody. It's not just the people that like me <laughs> that are coming to these things. So so that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, obviously, announcing a year early, which is abnormal for Wassa, was important because of COVID. <laughs> um, people did get a chance to get to know me because I was knocking on their door in October. Um, so
0: So... Th- what do you think think that you bring to the mayor position that differentiates you from other candidates?
1: Sure. So I think, you know, just kind of life experience is a little bit different. You know, we talked a little bit before this about, you know, maybe generational differences. And, you know, with that, it's not just about age. It's about, you know, how you interact with the world around you, um, there are a lot of people that are uncomfortable talking about some of those social issues that, you know, they'd rather kind of bypass the idea of what is a trans person? um, Why is it important that we recognize the LGBTQ plus community? Black Lives Matter makes me uncomfortable because I don't know what that, what that means for everyone else, you know, and I guess for me, you know, my friends are very engaged in some of these um, areas, and I'm passionate about making sure that there's equity and inclusion throughout our city government, and these issues do need to be discussed. And despite the fact that it might be uncomfortable, so I think probably bringing that kind of a viewpoint. Um, and I think the other thing I really am into policy, which is actually a kind of a struggle for me being in this executive position, because on the county board I was a member of a, a policy body, which means we're coming up with stuff and and reacting to these these policies that we're creating. Um, But now um, I can tell them what I think the policy should be. And I think at this point, they would react to it. Um, But I also need them as the policy body to craft their own work, too. They need to do that. Um, They need to own it. It can't just be about reacting to what I'm doing. So it's been a struggle. um, But policy and kind of that nerdy wonkery about that, I'm real into it.
0: So clearly, being a mayor, you're leading an entire town of how many people?
1: Uh, a little more than 38,000.
0: So that's a lot of people. Um, before we get into some of the details, what would you say are some of the key attributes of a successful leader?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, obviously listening is important, um, but you know, you you do need to be careful about who you're listening to. So um, qualified, qualified listening is important. I think, you know, you'll hear from people in the right places. Um, you know, I want to encourage people to sound off on the issues that are important to them. Um, so I guess facilitating some of those opportunities for people to to make their opinions known is important, um, especially now when it's tough to meet in person. So we've been trying new things. I think innovation is one of the key things that I've heard from a lot of successful mayors that you need to be able to um, change, change how you're doing things. You need to have this growth mindset of, you know, like what I believe is important, but I need to be able to pivot that sometimes. And I think we're all seeing why that's important now. Um, but then you do need to be decisive. Um, at a certain point, you can't just sit around waffling and and telling everyone what they want to hear. You do have to make a decision sometimes, um, even if it's just, well, I'm going to sign this policy and I'm going to veto that one. Um, or if somebody calls me up to ask me, like, why is this uh, why is this road blocked off? You know, I have to be able to say, well, it's because of this, and it's important because of this. You know, it's, it's easy to want to pass the tough decisions and blame off on people, but Uh, The buck stops here all the time, every time in my office it stops.
0: And I think that's the hallmark of a a really strong leader, just taking responsibility that ultimately you're in charge and for better or worse, it's, it's your Mm -hmm. call. Um, so there's some very, this has been a tough year. It's been a tough year for everyone. So we'll now move into some of these difficult topics. So what are your thoughts on COVID? what, what do you think Wasa should be doing? And it's now December, 2020. So where are we at right now with COVID and how do you see, if you can forecast, how do you see the next few months playing out?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, what people can be doing is they can be wearing a mask. They can be washing their hands. They can be social distancing. They can be staying home if that's possible. Um, I think that's really important that we don't ever let up our guard on this. Um, it's it's going to be really important through the holidays. So people can do that. You know, our numbers. It's it's tough for me to interpret what's happening right now um, with some of the numbers. It appears that we're going down a little bit. Hospitals are still kind of full, so I'm I have concerns about where we are here. Um, I'm I'm afraid of the narrative that maybe our numbers are going down uh, because people might might be willing to do some things that they shouldn't be um, take those risks. Um, but you know, I'm also very optimistic. We have five vaccines, I think that 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 are you know, getting ready to roll out. Uh, I talked to the health department yesterday. They have a plan for how they'll roll out to, you know, first to the medical staff and and first responders and then to the essential workers. So I'm hopeful that we'll get to a place where we will be vaccinated. Um, I'm also a little nervous about that being on the county board, I know that it's controversial. Um, vaccines are controversial in general. And this one, having gone through, you know, months of tests and not years, people are going to question if they should take it. So I um, I want to encourage people that if they feel healthy enough and, and good about it, that they should take it. Um, I told the health department already, I will take it for you live on TV. Um, let's do this. So that's kind of where I'm at with COVID. Um, you know, it's been a struggle because people have turned the mask thing into more politicized than probably it should be. Um, so I guess I'm nervous that the vaccine is going to be <laughs> kind of interpreted similarly. So just really want to, want to encourage people that, you know, you should do your homework on this. You should read about it. You should, you know, see what's on the packaging. You should talk to your doctor, um, make sure that it's right for you to take it. But I think it's going to be important that people kind of get on board here um, and, and go for this.
0: I think it speaks to your conviction and commitment to taking care of society that you'd be willing to take the vaccine live on TV, which is kind of cool. <laughs> we'll see if uh, somebody pick,
1: t- takes me up on that offer. There,
0: there you go. Uh, you, you could Facebook it live. You could have your. You could just host your own little media event. Yes, <laughs> so, it's going to be
1: so boring. <laughs>
0: there you go. Um, so the the next topic is so. It was, it's been, again, another very difficult year with Black Lives Matter. I know there's a protest in Wausau, I think, in the summer. Yep. What are your thoughts on racial differences in Wausau as it stands and steps in moving forward?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we, everywhere, we have work to do. Um, you know, Wausau has had a history. You know, typically it, it hasn't really been um, um, kind of a history of, Black folks in Wassa, we have eleven point four percent of our population is Hmong. So I would say the history that we see is um, is more related to that population, and and maybe with I don't know if you how much research you've done on Wassa, but you know the Friendship School discussion of the '90s and some of that. So you know it's it's always kind of been front of my mind that this is important that we are including voices from every part of our community, especially especially voices that maybe are underrepresented. You know, we, we had our second Hmong city council member um, the last term, and now we have no Hmong council members. So I think making sure that we're very mindful of, of those voices at meetings and, and making sure that people have an opportunity to sound up are important. When it comes to Black Lives Matter, um, maybe it's even more important. Um, it was the largest the largest um, political rally that has ever happened in Wasa in my lifetime, in my parents' lifetime, in my grandparents' lifetime. So clearly, it hit something. Um, people think it's important. People think that talking about these issues are important. They want to make sure that they are living in a place where people are treated equally and fairly. Um, that you know we don't have um, some of those main shootings that we're seeing in other places. We don't want that. So when I when I saw this giant um, this giant march happen. I thought, first of all, it like made me feel emotional to see that you know almost two thousand people showed up to to have their voices heard here. That's a big deal. And then it made me think, okay, marching is one thing. This is obviously a message. So where do we go from here? How do we how do we turn this into a catalyst for how we how we lead as a community? So I started um, a policing task force. Where we're going through all of these different policies, you know, we have seven hundred pages of policies when it comes to police. So some of those are more um, important to go over than others, probably, and that includes use of force um, and things like that. So we started it. Our first meeting was I think September. So we're meeting monthly. I, we just had a meeting yesterday and. You know, we're getting everybody up to speed on what what does it mean to be a police officer in Massa. How do you approach situations if you have somebody in crisis? Um, how do you get them the services they need without hurting them? So it's been it's it's been a good discussion so far, and what comes out of this will be um, a series of recommendations um, to council um, to adopt or not. Um, They'll have to decide on this um, for for policing in Wasa. What does this look like? And, you know, we're addressing both the policies we have now, but also, you know, systemic racism exists. It's a thing. So we want to make sure that we're including discussions about those, about that, that it's harder to talk about that when you have people out there saying it doesn't exist. Um, So we're starting from the standpoint of like, it exists. How do we make sure it doesn't affect people, people's lives? Um, and that everyone's treated fairly and equitably, and and they don't, they're not shot more frequently than other people. Um, I, you know, frankly, I would prefer that nobody is shot, but I realize that that these things happen. Um, so that's kind of where we're at with Black Lives Matter um, and the policing task force. I think um, I think we'll get to a good place. Right now, it's a lot of education and a lot of, I mean, really, with the budget process, I expected a little bit more discussion, but um, it didn't quite. It didn't quite happen that way. Maybe people don't know how to participate. So I'm going to work on that for next year. How do I get public participation in that budget?
0: Well, what was interesting is um, there's – I don't know if you're familiar with um, Jocko Willing. He's the He was the commander of the Navy SEALs Force in um, the Middle East. And his take was that – and hes he's led – I mean – the entire Navy SEAL force and special operations. So his take was there's the talk right now in Minneapolis of defunding the police, et cetera. But, um, Jocka willing's take was that actually the police should be better paid about he, he estimated 20 to 20 to 25% of their time should actually be paid and spent just training and doing drills and doing education and doing community outreach. That way the first contact is not so a police officer arresting you, but really just, um, say, Hey, how are you? And, and are you okay? And is there anything I can do for you? And, but also at the same time, raising the requirements to being a police officer because they are better paid and it's a more, it becomes a lot more desirable job because right now there are a lot of people that probably don't want to be police officer because they are working really hard and they're not getting, I think a lot of the credit that they deserve because it is a really difficult.
1: Yeah. I think you're pointing to um, a really good philosophy, you know, in Wausau, we call it community policing and it's something that they work on every day. Um, so that, Again, your first encounter with police isn't one that makes you scared. Um, and again, that, you know, I wish we had a budget to fund everything that I wanted to, but that training is really important. Um, we put in more money this year for um, psychological examinations for police officers to make sure that, you know, they're getting the care they need. We have um, specific employee um, resources for police officers when it comes to the mental health therapy and things like that. It's just, it's really important that um, we're taking care of each other. And, you know, these these are the people that represent WASA by and large. I mean, they're people out in the community. Um, you'll also see our Department of Public Works. So, you know, you want to make sure that these people are putting the best face forward and, and understand WASA's core values.
0: So another difficult topic then is there's a transgender movement, and that's a highly sensitive topic where there are a lot of very strong feelings on either side. So how do you navigate the rights of a small group but not infringing the, on the rights of society as a whole. How do you balance that? Because that's that's a very difficult thing to do.
1: So this is this has been one of those things that I feel that my um, understanding has evolved over the last couple of years. You know, I didn't really have a lot of experience with what tr- being trans meant, or or even people who were trans um, until I would say, man, last year we had a we had a a resolution. It was proclaiming Pride Month in Marathon County. And you would think that, you know, it's it's ceremonial. It's just saying, hey, June is Pride Month. Um, But it became this very loud conversation. And when you have lots of people on a county board that maybe are uncomfortable with that concept, and, you know, we have very conservative um, religious folks out in various areas, I mean, in our city, but also in the county especially. Um, And it became this big community conversation and you know i i have no problem saying yes equity is important we need to treat everybody equally and the reason we are declaring that it's pride month is because people have typically not been acknowledged as full citizens you know you've gone through stonewall you've got i mean these are these are people who have been abused um and it's time to recognize their contributions to our city and to our society and so i you know i have a love sign in my neighbor, in my yard, right? It says, love your neighbor. And so it wasn't hard for me to just say, yeah, I support this and here's why. Um, and just being an advocate in that way, brought more people to me. Um, you know, I have people on Facebook that I, I had no idea that they were trans. I had no idea anything about this. And, and, you know, maybe part of it is that's just the way it is. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't understand what it what rights could be trampled by acknowledging people. I know that there've been some discussions in, in schools. Um, I know that the, the Wassa school district has had discussions about bathrooms and locker rooms and things like that. Um, and I think largely those have been fueled by fear. Um, and obviously your children are your most important people that you bring into this world. So you want to make sure they're safe. Um, but, you know, we want to make sure trans kids are safe too. They're more likely to be abused um, or, or, bullied or harassed. So it's important that we make sure that every kid is safe. And sometimes that does mean acknowledging that they are experiencing life differently. Um, so I guess that's where I would put it is that it's about keeping people safe, making sure we're including folks in our community, um, in these discussions that affect their lives so intimately. Um, and just, I don't know, normalizing the discussion about stuff. Um, I just, I think it's important to have a well thought out, um, view on your neighbors (laughs) um, and include them. So
0: what do you think is the hardest thing about your job?
1: I would say, um, well, right now it's kind of just jumping in and having to know everything about everything. You know, I, there are a lot of acronyms in government and understanding what that means or making sure you're following the statutory obligation, making sure that you're not wasting time or money on things that it's not going to help the city. Um, but it's just a lot to get to know right off the bat. Um, and you know, people had asked me like, why don't you run for city council first? So you understand it. Um, but I don't, I don't think that would have helped, um, frankly, cause you come in and you're being asked. I had, I had no idea how many times I was going to be signing my name. Um, i blown away, um, signing these giant thousand page contracts. And so trusting that our legal team has done the right thing, asking the right questions. So you don't know what you don't know. So asking those questions is really important. Um, it would be easy to just kind of pretend and be like, all right, signing my name off on this and that. And that's how you get into trouble. (laughs) Um, It's how you don't know what's actually going on in your city or where your money is going. So I would say there's a lot of time spent understanding what I'm I'm doing. What do you say is the most enjoyable thing about being a mayor? Um, I think it's really neat to be able to have that opportunity to just talk to people for no reason other than you're like, oh, hey, I'm the mayor, and you'll start a conversation about what's important to people. Um, they'll tell you exactly what they think about whatever you're doing, which is not normal um, for people. You know, people don't usually have an opinion on, on on just random strangers. So that's been interesting. It's Some days it's the dark night of the soul, um, but other days it's good, and you have opportunities to improve or, or just kind of maybe revel in something that you've done correctly. Um, but yeah, I would say interacting with people is really the, the coolest part so again
0: the the podcast is get healthy 360 so what do you do do you have a, a mental practice that you have or habits that you have to to stay sane? because you're I'm sure you're just constant emails and phone calls with everything you have to deal with
1: yeah there is a lot of that um, so I Man, it's interesting. People don't usually ask me about like my mental habits, um, which it feels like that's a lot of who I am. You know, I've done a lot of, um, study on mindfulness and, um, happiness. So making sure that I'm actually taking time to, uh, think about what what's in my head, letting it kind of go through me, if that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for um, random things to pop in and just distract you. Um, but making sure that I'm, I'm taking that time to just kind of not think about work. So, you know, I have a mantra that I'll repeat um, and it especially becomes apparent at three in the morning um, when maybe I have awoken and and something's in my head. I'm like, okay, you, you, you can't do anything about that right now. So just you know, empty your mind if you can. And, you know, the mantra practice does help a little bit.
0: So if, if you don't mind, let's dive a little bit deeper into that because you, at least my interactions with you seem very poised, very calm, and mm-hmm. you have a tremendous amount of stress. So can you elaborate a little bit on what you've learned from mindfulness and how other people can follow that lead?
1: Yeah, sure. I, I think that, um, you know, I guess mindfulness is, is kind of a buzzy word. I spent a lot of time, my degree, my my bachelor's degree is actually in philosophy and religious studies. So it's an interest of mine. Um, But, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time listening to talks by the Dalai Lama and think like that kind of directionally um, is what has helped me and understanding the world in that way that, you know, you're a part of the world. um, You're not the whole world and you're only successful by being kind of involved in that. So I would say, you know, talking through the, um, this is really, this is interesting. I I haven't had the opportunity maybe in 20 years even to, to think through this. Um, but I guess, you know, just taking that time to realize, you know, we have a lot of egocentric thoughts kind of piling on and you can think you're good. You can think you're bad, but really just remembering that you're just part of this that you are the vessel for what's happening here. I think that's the, that's the important part for me. I don't know if that helps anybody um, out there. You know, there are a couple of podcasts I've been listening to. Um, There's one with Dan Harris, about 10% happier. Mm -hmm. Um, And that one's really neat. He's been talking to some really great guests and especially right now during COVID. I think it's great that (laughs) to be listening to things like that, just to encourage you to, You know, maybe get beyond what's dragging you down. Um, And here's the scientific fact of how to do that. That's important to me.
0: So, a lot of your constituents are deeply religious, and it's it's actually really interesting that you um, formally studied religion and philosophy. So, how do you how do you use that religious background to, I think, center yourself, and then also connect with the people that are in your your district.
1: Yeah, I I think it's just one of those, you know, my, my grandpa um, was a theologian. He, that was what he did. So, you know, again, when I talk about, we talked about politics around the dinner table, it was actually a lot of the intersection of religion and politics. And they were, they were involved in the Wausau area peace network. And a lot of, you know, that was the predecessor to Wausau's Naomi group, which is a lot of the local churches who are a part of it, um, want to make sure they're doing good deeds throughout the community. So I feel like, helps me to understand um somebody like where they're coming from that background that story and you know things like Hebrew Bible or, or the whole Bible in general you know like understanding and having studied some of that and and what that means and those even some of those like exegetical things it's it's been helpful like oh you're coming at it from this point of view I can understand what you mean you know I've had conversations with people um we have uh, a couple of different groups working on homelessness in our area. And I was talking to somebody who was kind of smack talking one group. And I said, well, understand that it is a moral imperative for these people to make sure that they're not hungry and cold at night. It's not about enabling people or anything, but it's a moral imperative that they do not, they survive through the night. And when you think about it in that way, you're like, okay, I understand, get it. This is about something even more than what you're saying. So I think that's, it's been helpful in that way. Um, you know, a lot of people take religion um, and they should, you know, it's part of who you are, but very seriously and personally. So I think just being able to have a common language is important. Um, so, so I feel, okay, so
0: here's another question. And this, this, <laughs> this is going comes in a up. direction
1: I wasn't expecting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the podcast. So what here? What's your favorite Bible verse and why?
1: My goodness, I don't really think about it in Bible verses. You know, I um, I would say I'm I'm an Ecclesiastes gal, and I'll tell you why because it it kind of has that vibe of um, you know, there's a time to do this and a time to do that. I think that it's important to remember that this is the cycle of life. It it always felt very kind of Buddhist to me or, or even Hindu. Um, And so maybe the reason I like that is that it, it feels very connected to other spiritualities in that way. Um, But I always thought it was interesting. My husband is Catholic and, I went to a funeral and they were reading out of Ecclesiastes and I was like, Oh my gosh, it's my favorite book. And I said something to his mom. And she's like, we always say these at Catholic funerals. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, but it's, it's one of those things that it feels, it feels very much in line with how I feel about the world. So it wasn't a verse, but there you go.
0: And then, so to touch on that then, so to so spring off the, you bring up your husband and your family, <laughs> how do you, how do you manage the household? Because, you're, you're very busy and you have a lot of demands. And I feel like this would help a lot of other people where you have one spouse that of course your husband's is busy and he's doing things, but I don't, I don't know if it would be the same type of connectedness that you would have to have as mayor where people are emailing you and calling you and just demanding of your time. I'm sure you could fill your, your time 24 hours a day with events. Oh
1: yeah yeah and you know that's not good to to fill yourself so far that you're not doing anything else and you're losing your your family in the process so my husband is a teacher um so he's pretty busy during the um during the school year, which is great um but you know during the summer when he was home uh kind of trying to figure out his his stuff for the school year um that was tough because you know, I'm learning this new job, and I'm not at home. You know, I w- I could have been here 16 hours a day some days, and so that was a struggle. And you know, he he and I talked about that before I even ran, um, because I can't do this unless he is also all in. Like we have to just realize that there will be concessions, um, but you know, we'll come together at the point where we can. So you know, on the weekends, there's some really important moments where we just take time to be together to accomplish things together. You know, he really, he really appreciates having a, a, a tidy yard and, and making sure that things are in their places. And, and, you know, for, I don't appreciate that as much, but because we're a team, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm participating in, in, in that way too. So I would say I'm unbalanced in a lot of ways, but you got to t- find those moments um, to just take a break from what you're doing and, and focus on each other because otherwise you, you just grow apart and that's not good. So what would be
0: your, your physical practice as to how you maintain a healthy lifestyle?
1: Man, I wish I could tell you that I was doing everything right. Um, I would say that's probably the spot where I have been, um, least, least successful recently. Um, I'm getting back to it. Uh, so I used to do roller derby so that was, you know, three or four times a week. I'd be skating for two and a half hours, which is an amazing workout. So if you're thinking about that, do that. Um, I did jujitsu, which is another one of those really good kind of combines the um, mental and physical practices. Uh, it's one of those things that I really like, and you know, fit, it's the same thing with roller derby. You have to you have to really be thinking on your feet. Um, you know, I can't be a part of a team sport anymore because I have too many meetings and you know, <laughs> ruptured a couple discs. We were talking about that earlier. Um, so now I, I have to do things that, that fit in my schedule. So. I love biking. It's always been kind of a part of me, Um, usually kind of tootle around biking. But uh, this year for Christmas, I got a Peloton, which was really fortuitous timing with this, um, with the pandemic. So I've been able to bike every now and then. Um, It'll get get on a better schedule at some point. I keep telling myself um, it's been really great, you know, music, sweating. It's all really important. It's right there you know, there were moments at 11 at night where I was biking and, and it's just important to be able to have that. So
0: what is your vision for Wasa over the next year?
1: Yeah. So I'm really excited about, um, this is so not sexy, about strategic planning. Um, it's something that WASA's has never done before. So, you know, we've have legally required things like a comprehensive plan, Um, but strategic planning is a little bit different. I think it will help guide our policymakers and like, Oh, these are our city's priorities. This is how we, this is our roadmap to how we get here. Um, this is how we want to spend our money. So I think that will help me engage in, you know, instead of going everywhere with everything or when people write to me like, I want to do this thing. I'm like, this fits perfectly in our strategic plan. This is how we will fold you into this. Um, and I know it's never going to be perfect. There are always going to be, but that's what I'm really excited about in my vision. So Oh, really well, st- strategic
0: planning is like my, my little obsession. So, Oh my gosh. I,
1: <laughs> I hope you're a part of this then. I hope you're oh, part uh, of the community.
0: <laughs> oh, I can talk about GDP growth and economic strategy all day. So, yes. um, so yes. I, that's, so I'm going to, so that, so for anyone who's, who's going to tune out um, <laughs> if you're not into it now, it's time to tune out <laughs> a little bit and then come back. But so what is, what is your strategic plan and what are your markers to determine if you're meeting your metrics?
1: Yeah. So since WASA hasn't had one at all, like my first uh, challenge- Which is was scary.
0: As, as a planner, I can tell you like, that's a little scary that Wassa's has never had a strategic plan.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think people, I mean- it's very different um, from the county side. The county is going th- is working through their second strategic plan. And so when I was running for mayor, I was like, oh, I wonder what the city's strategic plan is and how do I you know, tell people how I'll make that better? And when I couldn't find it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what we need to do. Um, so I... I had to find the money, first of all, which, you know, you can do. Um, And then I had to get the council's buy-in. You know, the first thing was, like, this is why we need to do this. Because, you know, some of our council members have been around for a while, and they've never needed it, right? They've been able to, you know, deal with, you know, they have a comprehensive plan, or maybe they have economic development plans, you know, like – Planning is used in different ways and different places. So we got their buy-in um, and now we need to do the whole government thing of issuing an RFP and working with the right uh, organization. So, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be the thing is I want, I want community engagement. They need to be a big part of this. Our, our community, the only reason we do this is for the community. So what are your priorities? I want to hear from them in every way possible. Um, and then I think we need to focus on five or six big things, and then and then kind of build up from there. You know, we will have to set goals on that. Well, this is fascinating
0: to me because if you can increase your GDP growth even like two or three percent a year, that will directly drive, say, um, housing values. So anyone living in your district will have a huge upside in sure. buy into this plan. Yes,
1: um,
0: that would create more jobs, etc. So, and that I can I can talk about that for a while. Well,
1: yeah, I would say like even. It's, the, it's seven of the last eight years, WASA's lost population. So that's already telling you, like, oh my gosh, we need more taxpayers. We need more people living in homes. We need more people starting businesses. So like, that's something right off the bat that I want included. Like, how do we get more people here?
0: Yeah, statistically, if you have, um, and, and, and sometimes people who are deep into a subject use, use some technical terms, which is um, often happening. But <laughs> so, so, so if, if, if you can execute on this plan, and then you can increase the, the economic growth by doing so, increasing the jobs and increasing the businesses that will drive productivity in the area, which has a direct influence on your ability to, say, get a job, people move with their jobs, which will then, again, make your house worth more. It will have more stuff to do. And that will increase the tax funding to provide for better teachers and police officers. So I think, well, I'm bought in. So <laughs> yes. I'm Step
1: buying. one. Step
0: one. So, have you come up with any sort of initiatives thus far?
1: Yeah, you know, we've had a couple working on the budget. You know, without a strategic plan, you know, I I get to you know basically throw stuff out on the stoop and see if the cat likes it up right. So, um, I pulled the council like, what are your priorities for this budget? I want to make sure we're hitting it so we don't um, sit around banging our head against the wall. And so one of the big issues, um, actually, that they identified was, and and I identified too, I mean, this isn't something that we're talking about, is is homelessness in our community. How do we address that? How is the city involved here? Um, So that was an important thing. Um, Economic development, right, driving that growth is really important. Um, You know, the mall's kind of been floundering around. So that was high on some people's lists. Um, And so, you know, kind of just cracking away at that. You know, I come from a marketing and business background. Um, and it was important for me that the city was getting a return on, on what we were investing via, you know, TIF funding and things like that. So my, my opportunity came when um, the group that bought the mall said, hey, do you think you'd be willing to partner with us on demolition? And I said, maybe, but we got to reopen this um, development agreement, and I want to get a better deal for WASA. So I got a chance to work through that. And, you know, saving the citizens $2.6 million, um, their money was important to me, and we did it. So I would say that's getting that ROI, getting, you know, strategic initiatives that everyone's kind of, most people are bought into, and, and they know where we're going um, is important. And, you know, one of the things with the county that I loved was that when you said, hey, county, what is your goal here? Anyone you talk to would say, oh, we want to be the safest, healthiest, and most prosperous county in Wisconsin. I would like that for WASA. I would like everyone to be on board with like, this is our goal and here's how this is, this is it.
0: That is a great goal. Um, So you're, you're on social media. What are the best ways for people to contact you if they want to get in touch with you or if they're interested in being on these um, councils, if you need community engagement?
1: Yeah, sure. So I am on social media. Um, So emailing, direct messaging me, that works. Um, My email address is on the city website Um, If you look on our city website, um, it's kind of an annoying, you know, wasa.ci.whatever, but if you can Google wasa, you'll get there. And we have a boards, committees, and commissions section, and you'll see a whole list of these different bodies that I get to appoint people to, including citizen members. So you can look through those and see um, if there's anything that's interesting to you, and then we have a citizen participation form. You can just fill that out, and it gets sent directly to my assistant, and we appoint people. Um, we've appointed all kinds of people to different things. Um, it's interesting. Some committees are just more interesting to folks than others. Um, and and one of those happens to be our formerly diversity committee. I think they're liberation and freedom right now. Um, and then sustainability is really popular in bike and ped. So if you're looking for those, you might have a harder time. But if you're interested in you know, we have plan commission. We have capital improvements where you actually get to rank the projects that we invest in. It's really great. We have some openings there. Um, so yeah, check out the website, boards, committees, and commissions, and then apply.
0: So this is something I feel like that is often not discussed in podcasts, etc. Is that a lot of people get very engaged in who the who the president is or who these these very far off, yeah, the large large political figures that yeah. really. Don't have a direct as a direct influence on your day to day life compared to like a local election like the mayor. Yeah. So your mayor is directly influencing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like the city planning and city initiatives, which is in the community that you live in. So if you want to support the candidate of your choice, um, what is the best way to do that? Like let's say someone listened to this podcast and they thought, you know what, I want to have I want to support you to continue being mayor, assuming you want to be mayor again. Um, how would they go about f- helping to fund your campaign?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, that's interesting. Um, so, you know, typically campaigns in Wausau um, are pretty uh, low key. Um, and, you know, I have to do all the fundraising myself. And I would say that typically they're like $5,000 campaigns, right? So people can fund it themselves, whatever. Um, you know, I, I did a little bit more so that I could get more media, which was important to me because people might not know who I am. Um, and so I had fundraisers, you know, I sold t-shirts. Um, I did all that stuff. I, you know, there's a limit to how much people can contribute, which I don't know if it's comforting for people to know that the limit, um, for people to contribute to my campaign for mayor is $775 (laughs) a cycle. Um, so it's not, it's not a ton, um, compared to other places and other, uh, committees and, and campaigns. But I would say the number one thing is, you know, get to know me, talk to me, ask me questions, tell me what's important to you. Um, because the best the best campaigning you can do is being the best mayor or being the best at that job. So I want to make sure I'm serving the community in the way they want to be served. Um, and then, you know, right now, it's not really for me about politicking um, and campaigning. It's about serving. So I'll probably focus on the campaign in, in two and a half years. Um, and at that point, I'll want people to knock on, course for me. Uh, go with me. I'll want people to show up at events. things like that. But right now I want to be serving the community. So that's the best way people can get involved with me.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, Wausau, Wisconsin is lucky to have you. Katie. Mayor Katie, any closing thoughts for anyone that's listening?
1: No, I'm just, I'm uh, thankful for you and for inviting me on your podcast. Um, I'm going to have to go back and listen to a couple more of them because you've, inter- you've interviewed some really interesting people, but I guess, The message to the community is I hope that you feel good. Um, If someone like me can be elected mayor, I'm pretty weird, Um, that you can be your authentic self and and do what you want to do. And and that might include running for office. So if you have questions, let me know.
0: Mary Katie, thank you so much for taking the time for this podcast out of your, your very busy
1: schedule. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and visit the Get Healthy 360 Facebook page. We are always looking for feedback and new story ideas.